You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We uh, started a conversation, a whole collection last week on uh, pursuit. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm just going to be super honest with you now. I, w- there was just a lot of people that connected with, you know, there's sometimes that people connect. And I find that especially if a message is uh, positive, super positive, uh, then, you know, uh, I get a lot of feedback. And uh, as, a, as a human being, it's really tempting to uh, just keep it going, keep positive, uh, uh, you know, keep it all positive and upbeat, and that way, you know, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of positive feedback. Do you feel like bad news is coming? Uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, but that's not always the full story. And so today, if you're joining us, if you're joining us online, we welcome you. By the way, my name is Steve McCoy, if we haven't had a chance to meet. The thing I like about the Bible, uh, many things I like about the Bible, first of all, it's real. It's not just a story, a string of inspirational you know, uh, poetry or haiku or, or stories. It, it, it's real. It has real people. And those real people, you know, they, they've made uh, small blunders and absolutely huge mistakes, and God still uses them. I like that, because I can relate to that. I like the fact that God tells us the full story. Jesus didn't come along and just say, hey, let me just tell you the good stuff. There was a reality to what he, he talked about, and I, and I like that about the Bible. So it is easy to say, hey, let's just stick with the stuff that sounds good. Jesus warned us about that, didn't he? Say, hey, you know, sometimes there'll be those that just want to hear what uh, their itching ears, as he said, wants to hear, but there is a full story. So last week, we began this whole conversation with this thought, you are pursued, and you are pursued by God. And this is a, it is a truth that is uh, inspiring for us, encouraging for us. We looked at the lost sheep, that God's passion to pursue us. And if you look at the screen uh, or even the title today, the title is You Are Pursued. You think, okay, maybe Steve had a, you know, a hard week. We're just going to do a rerun since that, you know, uh, people connected with it. Isn't that the same title? Well, it's a dual thing. It's a little play on words. You are pursued by God. Every great story that we, that, you know, we talked about this last week, every great story has pursuit. Somebody is pursuing something. There's a, there's a guy pursuing a gal, a gal pursuing a guy, a bad guy pursuing a, you know, what he shouldn't be pursuing, a, you know, a good guy pursuing the bad guy. I mean, there's a good story, uh, as always. My wife was out uh, uh, yesterday, the, the lady that delivered our babies, we've just grown close over the years, and and uh, she uh, had, she was at home, and my wife does what she always does. She brought her this her grandmother's chicken tortilla soup. If you've ever had my wife's chicken tortilla soup, it is healing. It is amazing. So she was out, and I took advantage of the moment, and I, I did something my wife really dislikes doing, which is watch old action movies. So I watched an old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, the plot's corny, the effects are corny, the acting is corny, everything is corny, and for whatever reason, I love it. I, there's just something about it. I really like it. And so this was an old Arnold you know, uh, movie with chase scenes and the whole nine yards and everything, and I thought, man, I lo- we all love chase scenes, most of us. I don't know, maybe you hate chase scenes, but most of us 
love chasings unless we're the ones being chased. And I don't know if you've ever been chased in your life, but it's not very fun. Uh, there's a whole lot of stories behind you know what I'm saying to you, but I, I was thinking that you know every once in a while, maybe three or four times a year, do you ever have that dream where you're trying to run from somebody and you can't run, and it's just like terrifying, you know, whatever's after you, you just can't run. Well, for many many years, I was uh, a bicyclist. After I graduated high school, I didn't have a car until I was 31 years old. Everywhere I lived, I lived in big cities, and I, I was a bicyclist. And so even if I lived many miles away from, from my apartment to the school, I was a bicyclist. Well, guess what? A bicyclist, if you're a bicyclist in the room, you're going to recognize this picture. This picture is something quite familiar to anyone that has a, a, a ridden the bike. So if we can go to the dog picture there. You, I'm hoping it's there. We'll see a dog picture. There we go. I have had that scene more times than I know. It is terrifying to be chased, to be pursued by something that can destroy you. So here's the reality today. You are pursued by God. But there is a reality that, that for some people, like I don't want to look at that reality. There is, a, there is a world of light. There is a world of darkness. If you don't believe it, and that whole supernatural conversation freaks you out a little bit, just look at the news. You will see symptoms of a, 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 an undercover world here right in front of you. We're only seeing the symptoms. We see sometimes the, uh, that, that come up in our own lives. You know, why are we selfish? Why are we greedy? Why do we do the things that we do? Paul said, man, I got this whole wrestling match. So we know just instinctively, even if you don't know the Bible, that there is this tension between good and evil. I think we would recognize that, right? We are pursued by God. Today we're going to land in 1 Peter. 1 Peter is near the end of the Bible, near the end of the New Testament, if you're not familiar with it. It is written by Peter, obviously, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And we're told about our enemy, the devil. Now, there's some jokes, you know, people tell jokes about the devil. I don't. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong if you have devil jokes, but I'm just saying, for me, it's not, never been something that I'm like, hey, this is funny, uh, this is a laughing matter. It is as serious and sobering as anything in our life. You are pursued by God, but you are also pursued by the devil. Watch this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Your enemy... The devil prowls around, pursues like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the thing about a chase scene in a movie is that it's pretty obvious. You know, there's no, there's no like, nothing subtle going on. Like, huh, I wonder if this is a chase scene. No, everybody doesn't know it's a chase scene. When I was chased by a dog, there was no, I'm like, huh, is that like a cat or a gecko? Or no, I knew I was being chased. The challenge with our enemy, is that there, he's a prowling enemy. It's a subtle chase. So there may be things in your life that are, that are, that are, that are, uh, he's chasing you, he's trying to devour you, but you may not recognize it. Watch this, Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty, clever, than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God made. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, Satan himself masquerades, 
as an angel of light. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, when the devil lies, he speaks his own native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he's crafty, he masquerades, he's a liar. And so there's this, there's this clever subtleness to this, this, this quest. Now the challenge is this. We often personalize the word of God. We often personalize truth. Nothing wrong with that. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, he's my shepherd. Yes, that's, that's something we personalize, right? But this thing that, that I want to make sure that we clarify at the very beginning when it says the devil wants to devour you, if you personalize that, you think he's just against you because you're a human being and you're a nice person and he just kind of wants to kick you in the britches. It's not that. It's bigger than that. We, as Christ followers, live in a macro narrative. We live in a bigger story. What do I mean by all that? God has a purpose for your life. Now, let me clarify. Let me say God has put you for the purposes of God on earth. In other words, God has put you on earth to live out his purposes. In the book of Acts, David served the purposes of God in his generation. All right? So we, if you are a Christ follower, that means that you've come to God, you've exchanged your own personal life for God's life, and you said, I am no longer trusting in religion or ritual or rightness. I've come to Christ, and I've committed my life to follow him, to live for him. I'm trusting in the cross, the crucifixion for what he did for me. I'm now going to accept that offering, that invitation, and now I'm supernaturally born again. It's not just about going to heaven. God said, I have purposes for you to accomplish for me. I, I have purposes, God would say, that I'm asking you to accomplish online, on this planet. We're told that we're ambassadors for Christ, that we're speaking as if Christ is speaking through us. What an assignment. We are disciple makers. Go into all the world and make disciples. We are image bearers. We are created in the image of God. So there's a lot of things that God has for you. You don't have to be a Billy Graham. You don't have to be, you know, uh, a Charles Spurgeon. You, wherever God has you, he has you there for a purpose. Listen carefully. That's the thing that the enemy wants to devour. He wants to take out your effectiveness for God, subtly or not subtly. Sometimes I think, you know, we're in this wonderful thing. It's so warm, fuzzy, kind, this thing we call election year. It's so pleasant. Ah, man, if I just am lacking inspiration, I just turn on any given news channel, and they're so nice to each other. I just feel like, no, of course not. It's nasty. It was nasty two years ago. It was nasty four years ago. It was nasty 40 years ago. You know, it's always this right, right? And when I look at the, 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 you know, the, the election process, unfortunately, I wish we could just sit down like, hey, here are the policies of this guy. Here are the policies of this guy. We're not picking on personality. We're just saying, hey, here are the policies. What, you know, what do you feel is right for you and all that stuff? You can take a deep breath. I'm not going po political on you. But every election and every opponent of one another, they're just trying to find something on the other guy, right? Or the other woman, right? They're just trying to find something that will stick. And they just keep trying. And they keep trying. Both people are trying. Both try. And they're like, oh, that's going to stick. That's going to be a big one. And the whole, it doesn't matter. The point is, it doesn't matter how they tackle the runner around the ankles, around the knees, hit them in the waist, shove them in the back. The, the enemy doesn't care. 
how he takes you away from the purposes of God. For David, it was adultery. For Moses, it was murder. For Solomon, it was idolatry. For Jonah, it was apathy. It doesn't matter how the runner is tackled. He just wants to tackle you. For you, it may be just a little thing. It might be a big thing, but it's not, I'm not about you. It's never been about you. It's all about the purposes of God. Does that make sense? Huge, huge understanding that we have. Why in the world would the devil, of all people, want to devour me? Well, he doesn't care about Steve McCoy, my social security number, my credit card number, my little house, nothing, none of that. He cares about the purposes of God. He always has. He's always against the purposes of God. So for that reason, when we look at the scripture, then we're going to back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I've known people who have been taken out of the game because of the, the toughness in their marriage. I've known people that have been taken out of the game because they have guilt in their life. This was Moses, killed a guy 40 years. I, I had a meeting this week with someone. It was a very tender meeting. He said, I've, I've done this, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, God can never forgive me. And so what they did was they took them out of the took their self, took themselves out of the game. And you know what the enemy like? Touchdown. On to the next one. See, I subtly, craftily, cleverly lied to that person that you're out of the game. Touchdown. That's 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 a win for me. See? Didn't care too much about that person. I mean, a football player, you know, you know, football's back in you know season, hockey's back, you know, doing good, go bolts, right? I, I know the bolts are doing good because I'm a friend with Dean Burnside. <laughs> I love it. I love the I love the passion, right? But I there's not too many times I you know I don't watch hockey a lot, but there's not you know too many times where a guy you know clobbers the other guy with a stick. Is that called a stick? I call it, you know, clobbers him with a stick and then he goes, hey, are you okay? I just want to make sure. I know that was a little rough. I just want to make sure. No, he wants to win the game. See, God's got a game to win. The enemy's got a game to win, right? So back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Before we're told that the enemy prowls, there are two key words here for us. How are we going then to even stand a chance? And the thing that you're facing, how are you going to stand a chance? Watch, two things to begin with. The first one is this, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert, and then your enemy prowls. There it is. Be self-controlled. And you think about that, what in the world is self-controlled? Why is self-controlled? Well, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, watch this. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Okay, self-control then is equated to protection. I want to read it again. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Let me ask you a question. Before, is, is a wall built before the battle or after the battle? Before, thank you. Thank you for the three people that are still with me and those of you that are home. Thanks for joining us. Yes, it's built before the battle. I mean, we're going to have an army. I mean, who builds a wall during a battle? Like, wow, the enemy's coming. We better build a wall. That's stupid, right? No, we build the wall before. Watch, self-control has to come before the battle because self-control is taking, not allowing the little thing to become a habit, which becomes a big thing, which becomes a lifestyle, okay? 
I'm going to be super honest with you, okay? Since the pandemic in, and it started in March, before then, I was a gym rat. I went to the gym every day of my life. Uh, I, and I loved it. It was my only time to kind of, you know, shake the dust off my brain and do, you know, do, uh, you know, some uh, weight uh, uh, training and, and, and all that. So since then, I've walked with my wife every day. We've walked for miles. But the first week of the pandemic, I went out and bought myself a DVD player that hooked into my uh, my uh, laptop because I'm like, hey, I'm going to dust the, you know, knock the dust off those old P90 uh, you know, tapes. I don't know if you know P90, but it's super intense, right? I did one, um, and then I moved on. <laughs> because see, the next day, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm a little tired. Just a little thought. Just I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I don't feel like it, blah, 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 right? Then, then that turned into two days, because I had lost. I had allowed the self-control. I, I, I took one of the cinder blocks of my wall, and I took it down. And then one, one day turned to two days, two days turned to a week, a week turned to a month, and I really haven't done any weight training since that first day of the pandemic about six months ago. And you're like, yeah, we can tell. Well, I couldn't tell to begin with, but now you can really tell. This is, it's just an illustration, but this is how it works, isn't it? When self-control, it's like one brick, one brick, one brick, one brick, one brick, and then the devil says, I'm in. I'm in. Be careful of the small things. That's what God would say. Does that mean we have to live in perfection? Of course not. But when they happen, when they occur, when you say, I think I'm going to skip my, my, my reading, my Bible reading, I'm going to skip prayer, I'm going to skip whatever, my walk with God, watch this. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, solid food, speaking of the word of God, is for the mature, watch, who by constant use, you have to use it. You have to lift the weights. Have trained themselves, not just have a preacher train you, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see, it's not just about knowing the Bible. It's using the Bible to say, okay, I got to remember that. I got I to engage that into my life. I have to make sure that I'm not allowing the little thing to turn into a big thing. Here's the second thing. Watch, back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Because the devil is pursuing you, alert. One thing, be watch the self-control. Don't allow it. I'm going to say something that I know is sensitive, okay? And, and, and for those of you that are home, I have wrestled with to say this, to not say this, and I want you to know I'm very, very sensitive, okay, to this. My family has been very sensitive uh, in this pandemic. I've told you, my son has, uh, uh, one of my sons has acute asthma. This coming week, I have, a, I have an appointment for the first time in six months to see my mom. Uh, they will allow a family member in. She's, she's right down the street in Heartland, and, and I, get to see, I get to see her for 15 minutes in a room with a mask, temperature check, and all that. But I get, we get to lay eyes on one another, and that's going to be you know, I probably need two masks, one for lower and one for upper to catch all the tears. That'd be <laughs> so I'm very sensitive to this. I don't say this very, I don't say this insensitively. There are those that are our first service. They're the highest risk people. They're, they're going through cancer treatments, et cetera, and, and they're here. 
So, and for some of you that are home, I understand this is sensitive. However, I, I do have to say this. I feel, you know, I will fear God more than I will fear people. So I would say for, for all of us, myself included. So let me speak to myself. I have to be careful that I don't let habits form and say, you know what? I think I'm just not going to go. I think I'll just watch. Now, if you, if you have to, if you can't come, you have to watch. You're high risk. You're hearing from a guy that I'm telling you, I get it. I totally get it. So I'm speaking to those of, that, are, that are not high risk. Be careful. Church is community. Church is people. I look in my, in my own mirror, okay? I'm speaking to myself. I look in my own mirror and say, Steve, this is about people. It's not about projects. Because this introvert who's driven could stay home all day and work on projects and be happy as a lark. Does that make sense? I hope you hear it from a pastor's heart. I'm not condemning you. I'm not guilting you. But for those that are able, I'm just saying be careful, even if it's not coming to church. I'm not trying to, you know, twist your arm, make you feel guilty about coming to church, but even people. I've had a meeting. Last week, I had a meeting every week in Erfurt Park. I said, look, I'm not comfortable right now going in a coffee shop, but God has spoken to me and said, be careful, Steve. You've got to be with people, and you can do it in your own way. Is that fair enough? I, 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 you know, I, there's always topics that I know I'm treading on thin ice, and if you hate me, uh, just send your email to eric at the360church.com. You're welcome. You betcha. All right. I don't, I will not not shepherd if I'm af afraid of what I need to say, okay? I'll just say it that way. I will not not shepherd uh, because of a fear, all right? So, uh, and I say that lovingly. I hope you know. I feel like I'm apologizing all over myself. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying I want to say that sensibly. Okay, uh, be alert, self-controlled and alert because you're your enemy. You know what? I, I feel that the the... The enemy of uh, alertness is fatigue. The enemy of alertness is fatigue. The reason I say that is that uh, I know I lived in you know inner city Boston. I biked, and I would come home occasionally to my hometown in, in Virginia. And I remember every time getting off the plane because back in the day you had to walk down a little stairs onto the runway. And I, and I would walk down the stairs, and it was just like this, ah, quiet. And I'd get in my parents' car, and we'd drive home, and I'm like, quiet. Because, see, as I lived in the inner city of Boston, I was always like this, always alert, always alert. And it would get fatiguing. And then I'd ride my bike. Do I have my mace spray, you know, for my friendly canine friends? You know, I, I, you know, I would always look, and I was always looking. You know, I told, told you before, I got mugged in Boston, brutally beat up. And so always, you know, even after that, even intense. And it becomes fatiguing after a while. And with, in this spiritual journey, it is, it is easy then to, to lose the sense of being alert, Watch the little things. Watch those things. Be alert on it because it, our heart is deceitful. Watch this. In James chapter 1, verse 14, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire that little seed is dragged away. Remember, we're talking about a lion and enticed. You know, Billy Graham said it this way, by the way. If you notice, a, like speaking to men, if you notice a female, it's the second look that gets you, right? 
If I look over to someone, I see them, like, well, it couldn't help that. They were in my line of vision. But it's the, hmm, that second look that things start to happen is exactly what happened to David, King David, right? Remember, he was on his terrace. He looked down to Bathsheba, and it should have gone like this. Huh, that's Bathsheba. Well, anyway, no, it was Bathsheba. Whoa, that's Bathsheba. <laughs> that was the moment. I mean, it got really bad really quick, but that was the moment that he got fatigued. He should have been out doing warrior stuff, but he got fatigued of being alert. He got fatigued. I deal with it all the time with marriages. You, sometimes it's a fatigue. You've got to be alert to one another, submit to one another, be sensitive to one another. And as soon as that, I'm like, I'm just doing my own thing. It's, it's all over. It, or it's leading toward all over. Watch this. Each one tempted by his own evil desire is dragged away and enticed. Then after desires, it has this little thing inside. It's conceived. Then it gives birth to sin. And then when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. And death in the Bible is separation. Separation from God, not effective for God. And the enemy goes, first down. There's another one. See, just by that sense of alertness in this pandemic, Divorce rate has gone up 34%. Uh, I'm going to be careful. I'm looking around for young people, but, you know, looking on the computer at things you shouldn't be looking at, you know what I'm talking about, has gone up 12%. Alcohol abuse has exponentially gone through the roof. Drug, drug use has gone through the roof. Depression has gone through the roof. In other words, we're feeling the effects of this thing, not just in a virus, but in many different ways. And often it just starts with that little seed inside. It's just that, that one extra thing that we say, well, it's not going to hurt. It's that one extra thing. And, and God says, be alert because the heart is really, really tricky. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above everything else. Wow. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's why in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Every time I dropped my guard on when I was a bicyclist, I was sorry for it because I had to track out my route. There's where that mean dog lives. There's where that one lives. Oops, forgot my mace. You know, all those things. I was always sorry for like, well, I was just tired. I didn't want to think about it, see? Finally, watch this. This is counterintuitive to everything as a human being. 1 Peter chapter 5, next verse, verse 9. Resist him, the devil... Standing firm in the faith. Now, when I would hear a dog come after me, what am I going to do? I'm pedaling faster. There's nothing in anybody's right mind that says, you know what? I'll just stop. Here comes a ferocious canine. I think I'll just hold up right here. However, I just read this week that when you're being, if you're standing and not, you know, on a bike and you're standing on a dog, is attack or coming toward you, the worst thing you can do is turn and run. I should have read that article about 30, 40 years ago. But our instinct says, man, I got to get out of here. I've got to run. And God says, don't run because watch this. Be careful. When you run, you're transferring the ownership to yourself. I've got to do something about this thing. I'm afraid the disciples after the resurrection, they ran, they hid, and they said, we're in control. In the spiritual world, when you stand faith, you're transferring your fear to faith. You're transferring your fear to God and say, you take care of it. 
You stand firm, and I'm like, you take care of it, God. Watch this. Exodus chapter 14, Moses and the Israelites are you know, toe-to-toe with the, with the Red Sea. The enemy's coming on uh, upon them. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Made no sense at all. I used to have a, uh, uh, this route that I would take. I lived in Louisville. And, uh, this route, I could hear the toenails of the German shepherd behind me. I'd go home at late at night. I'd been working hard all day, you know, at the school, and I'd come home, and just this street was pitch black, and I could hear click, 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 and I knew he was after me. I had, I've rolled over hoods of cars. I have, I mean, I have got all kinds of techniques of avoiding and running. And so God says, no, don't do that. You stand firm. You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you're not going to see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. If you turn your back and run, you're taking things into your own control rather than like, I'm going to stand, but I'm going to stand in God. The warfare is often the the chapter in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about an armor of God. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, Paul says, the writer, be strong in the Lord and then his mighty power. I can't do this. Check. That's right. You can't. It's God's power. But watch. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, not your run, your stand against the devil's schemes. Watch. For our struggle in this lifetime is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Like, wow, that's heavy. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, not run. And after you've done everything to stand, if you know anything about an armor, it doesn't have a back. The back is not fully covered. It's interesting. If you read the rest of that chapter, it talks about the breastplate and the shield and the, and the, 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 the loin, the belt uh, uh, around and everything. Everything is in the front because you're not running in the spiritual warfare. You're saying, I'm going to put on the word of God. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in God, and I'm going to transfer all the fear, the anxiety, the concern, God. I'm standing here as a testament that it is your power and not mine. So I had this, uh, this route, this bike route in Louisville. Every night I'd come by this house, and it had a long front yard. And I knew what was going to happen every night. I'm going to get chased by this dog. It was the only street that I, I couldn't take an alternate route. I had to go on this street. So what I would do is I would rev up the bike. You know, I would pedal as hard as I could about four, four houses away, and hopefully I would make it past before, you know, Chow Chow there, whatever his name was, you know, picked up enough steam to catch me. I mean, there were times, man, he was so close. I mean, night after night, I'm like, okay, here it comes. You know, I'm sweating. I'm like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. It was a summer night. I'm like, man, I'm pedaling, I'm pedaling, I'm pedaling. And he must have had supersonic ears or smell or something. And I get right, right in front of the house. And I, could, I could see it, man. It just, he's coming across and, you know, he's going to seeking to devour me. One night, I'm like, I've had it with this stupid thing. And so back in the day, in those days, you know, there was a phone booth on every, every other corner or, you know, a phone thing. And so I'm like, I've had it. I'm calling the police. So I called the police, 
And uh, I could tell by the dispatch, you know, person, like, you know, kind of, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's not a high crime. I mean, there's no bank robbery going on here. Some punk out there, you know, on a bicycle. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm telling you. So at any rate, so they sent, okay, we'll send an officer. So send an officer. And uh, he, he came along, and you could tell he wasn't like, you know, this wasn't a real high priority for him either. And so he said, uh, okay, hop in. I'm like, in, in the back or the front? Because that made a difference. I'm like, am I in trouble? Am I going to the back or the front? He goes, no, you can sit in the front seat. I'm like, this is awesome. You know I mean? <laughs> so I'm in the front seat of this officer's car, and he goes, hey, direct me to the, you know, to the house. The house was on, you know, we were driving. The house was on the left. So the officer pulled on the left side of the road. It was summer. He has his window down. Sure enough, right in that moment, here comes, here comes Chow Chow or Fido or whatever his name is, just bolting across. And that officer couldn't hit the electric window fast enough. I'm like, yes. I said, I said, let me make a point here. See, you've got, I don't know if it's bulletproof glass, but you've got glass and metal in between you. You know what I have? I have jeans. That's what I have between me and the, and the animal, you know? And he goes, I get it, I get it, I get it. And that dog was just clawing up on the window. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, finally, once in my life. I felt completely safe in the squad car. Why would I have stepped out? Then he shined the big light right on the dog and right in the, the front window of the, uh, the, uh, the home and got on the speaker, we need you to come out, residents of this house, we need you to come out. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> you see, when we are in not the squad car, but pardon the pun, the God car, why would we get out? God says, step inside and allow me to fight for you. Step inside and you'll find safety. Safety, don't run. You would not get out of the car. God would say, get in the car. What is the thing that you're afraid of right now, that you're scared of right now, that's bothering you right now, that's angst right now? So God said, come on in. I got a window that they can't get through and I'm going to shine a light on it. And God will fight for you. You're pursued by God. That you're pursued by an enemy that you can't handle yourself. Only through the power of Christ if we stand firm in the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for who you are. Our protection, our shield, our banner, our hiding place. Pray, Father, today for those who walked in this room and something is on their mind. Maybe, maybe something heavy, maybe something small. And Father, I just pray, God, that uh, you, would, you would so clearly communicate an invitation to stand inside of your protection. God, this pandemic is... A, is, is affecting us as human beings in a lot of different ways, God, emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually, physically. But we know, God, that you are bigger. You are bigger than anything we face. Some people might be deeply connected right now to this 
to this reality, to this message. They feel devoured. They feel taken out of the game. Maybe they feel guilty. Jesus, you have removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, in this moment, God, we are all imperfect. For those that feel guilted, that are feel guilty right now, God, would you assure them that your word is true, that your forgiveness is real, and it is available? God, you want us in the game. You want our, you, we want our, our uniform on and for us to be self-controlled and alert. So we're grateful, God, for your grace and your mercy when we're not at our best. But it does not take us out of the game. It does not take us out of the game. Listen, during this time of prayer, maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're, you've been devoured. Maybe you're, maybe you're overcome with, with guilt or with depression or with uh, emotions, with relational strain. Maybe your marriage is in a, in a tougher place than it ever has been. God is inviting you in to his protection. God wants to fight for you. Quit fighting on your own. And for heaven's sakes, quit running. Come to God. He is pursuing you. The reality is that there's an enemy pursuing you, but our God is greater. Father, we pray for those who are exploring who you are and wanting more than the physical life can give. We pray, God, for those who say, I want God in my life. And as we remembered earlier, God, you've come, you've sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our forgiveness, for our relationship, God, with you, and to be put in the game with great purpose. Maybe that's you today as we pray. Maybe you're saying to yourself, I don't think that I've, I've ever given my life to Christ. I have believed in God, or maybe you haven't believed in God. But maybe you've believed in God intellectually and you've never had, listen carefully, a supernatural exchange of life in your inner person. Don't settle for just an agreement that there is a God. You need Christ. You need a new life. You need forgiveness. You need a supernatural awakening in your life that only Jesus Christ can give. So won't you reach out right now to God? Won't you be just raw and honest? God, I want you. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I want Christ. I, I, I completely now depend on Christ. And Father, the life that I have led, led and driven, I now give to you. And I'm asking God that supernaturally, you would come into my life and ignite new birth, new life. I want to be a child of of God. Maybe that is your prayer today. Father, thank you for the your greatness, the greatness of your mercy, the greatness of your grace, the greatness, greatness of your patience, the greatness of your purposes, the greatness of your power, the greatness of your word, the greatness of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we serve a great, great God. Father, we need you. This planet needs you. 
Our country needs you. Our politicians need you. Our people need you, God. Our churches need you. Our leaders need you. We need you. I need you. We all need you, God, because you are a great, great God. Father, may our praise to you, our thanks to you, our dependence on you also be great. We love you today, God. We pray all these things in the powerful and the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.